Good morning. It's good to see you this morning, and thank you so much from my family's heart for all the prayers that's been lifted up for my brother. Um, I, I appreciate your prayers, and so does he as we navigate, as I say in our newsletter, these difficult waters. But I believe God is able. I believe he's able to heal spiritually and physically. And I'm praying right now that God will continue to work every day that he seems to improve a little bit. <clears throat> That's where Tiffany is now. But I want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart for your prayers. I covet them. And I believe in some way, shape, form, or fashion, God will be glorified. I want to do... I told somebody, you won't keep me out of the pulpit today. It, I would like to... If you have your Bible, they don't even know where I'm going this morning because I hadn't had contact with the, with the, uh, with, with Amanda and them. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter six. If you have your Bibles, please, because we're going to do something. We're going to go through these verses. And if you have a highlighter or a pen, I want you to circle some words for me. Hebrews chapter six. We're going to look at verses one through eight. This is a very difficult passage for a lot of people. It scares Christians to death. It is, it is, uh, made denominations, takes stance on doctrines, and it's caused divisions even among families. Because can we lose our salvation? Now, a lot of people have built their doctrine around these verses, but I want you to understand where I, where I believe with all my heart that if we'll go back and look at chapters 1 through 5 and see where we have come, there's a very clear understanding to this text. Now, you must remember that, that Christ, as the writer will say, is superior to everything. Okay? He's superior to Moses and the prophets. He was superior to, to, he's superior to the law. He's superior to the tabernacle. He's superior to angels. He's superior to everything. So that being said, Christ is superior. And what you have during this time is a, a group of Hebrew believers that he will write to. Now, there's three groups of people here that I would like to address, and it's the same way in our churches today, okay? You have this group of Hebrew believers that he is writing to, and you have those who really have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then you have those who are what we would call fans. They say they believe in Christ, but yet they want to hold to some of the ritualistic things that they held to and are trying to convince others that, hey, we need to really look at this and think back and not put our sole trust in the person in the work of Christ. Then you have those who are just, you know, whatever. And see, always remember, there's three people. The one you see, the one others see, and the one Christ sees. Remember this. This is very important because what took place there still happens today. So if you have your Bibles, can we pull up Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 8? And please, if we can't, that's fine. If not, stand up. We're going to read it through the Word of God. Hebrews 6, chapter 1 through 8. And this is me having everybody else unprepared, so let's go. <laughs> it's my fault. But anyway, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washing and laying the hands and resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. 
For in the case of those who have once been to enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift that have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tested or tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, then have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain, which often falls on it, and brings forth vegetation useful to those, for those sake it is also tilled, receives the blessing of God. But it yields thorns and thistles. It is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you open our hearts, that people, nor me, would listen to the words of Chad, but listen to the words of you written in your book. That, Lord, our hearts and minds would be open to truth. That, Lord, we would see what you want us to see. And, Lord, consider the urgency that not only do we have to have a Savior, we have to have you as our high priest. God, the urgency to go take the gospel to everybody else. And, Lord, we'll give you the praise and glory for all you do. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, if you have a pencil or a highlighter, you say, Chad, I don't like marking with Bible. Well, I do, so there you go. But if you have a pencil or a highlighter, I want you to circle therefore. You see, I was taught in school, if you see a therefore, you got to ask why it's therefore. So we want to see therefore. If you see the therefore, it goes back to the previous chapter where he talks about maturity. Remember, we talked about this a little bit last week, that sometimes there's people who are still drinking milk instead of drinking the cheeseburger or eating the cheeseburger. You hold it on to the elementary teachings. You're not maturing in your faith. And I give examples of how many people uh, that time I said was in in a classroom and there was many people sitting there in over 200 years of salvations according to them and one person, one knew 10 verses to memory. One. And my point was this, not that memorizing all the verses will save you, but if you are born again believer in Jesus Christ, you will thirst for the knowledge of God. That cannot be changed. So therefore, going back uh, about maturity, leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let us not or press on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washing and laying hands and the resurrection of dead and the eternal judgment. Now he lists three things. One, laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Listen. Repentance and faith go hand in hand. If you are born again, believer in Jesus Christ, you will repent. That's a hill that I will die on. People have told, well, the the thief on the cross, you know, he just believed. Let me tell you something. As he's hanging there on the cross and that one thief began to rebuke him, he said, do you have no fear of God seeing we are under the same condemnation? Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. There must be repentance. The acknowledgement that we are sinners, we are depraved people in need of a Savior. And faith and repentance must go hand in hand. Guys, this is elementary. It's elementary teaching. This is the foundational faith. Everybody should know this that are born again believers in Jesus Christ. Repentance from dead works in context. In other words, look, you are not going to work to attain salvation. There's nothing that you can do to do that. You know this if you're a born again believer. The only thing that you contributed to your salvation was your sin. You will not work. You are saved by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. 
And he says, repentance from dead works and the faith toward God, elementary. Faith and repentance go hand in hand. Number two, and he talks about the instruction of washings and laying of hands. And we talk about washings, ritualistic washings. Israel would do it to simulate the cleansing of Israel. We do it with baptism, identification with Christ, down into death and up again in a new life. But these things can become ritualistic. In other words, you do them just to do them or because so-and-so saw you do it or you saw someone else do it. Some of the practices that go on in church can be ritualistic. That's why we take serious the Lord's Supper and baptism because we believe just like with the Lord's Supper that it's not something we do just to be doing it, but that one person examines their each heart, each heart to make sure they're right standing with God. That we don't baptize people for the sake of baptizing because they need to understand that baptism is the public testimony of faith. It does not save you. Only your faith and trust in Christ saves you. Number three, and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. I'm telling you, if you are in Christ, you will be with Him when you take your last breath on this earth. If you are not in Christ, you will go to hell. No negotiation. Then we will all Stand before him. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. You can bow now, right now, bow now, or you can bow later, but everybody's going to bow. And the Bible tells me very clearly that there will be separation from the sheep and the goats. Hold that in your thoughts. So these are elementary teachings we got to move on from. They're important, absolutely, but it's our foundation. You see, I try to explain people this way, that, 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 that I try to use it this way as a uh, electrical technician by trade. I do a lot of instrumentation. We have zero and span. Zero is your starting point. Span is the point in between zero and the highest work and operation of the instrument. In other words, one's this way, but the other goes up. You need to grow. You build on the foundation that was set by the Word of God, and you mature and you grow. These things that he just listed are things we should know as born-again believers in Jesus Christ. Amen? So we move on. And he says, and this we will do if God permits. He throws that in there to say this. Always remember, we're not in control. God is. And we will move on. But look what he says. For, circle that word. For, in the case of those who have once been enlightened, circle that word, and have tasted the heavenly gift, tasted, circle that word, and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, circle that whole slot of words, and have tasted, again, circle that word, the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, circle that whole group. I want you to look what he's saying here. Tasted. Partakers, tasted, enlightened. Now, I have had a lot of discussions with people, and you may in here disagree with me on this. There are those who have certain views concerning this scripture. One, this is the writer is addressing Christians and is telling them that they may lose their reward. There are those who said that these are, he's talking to Christians who can lose their salvation. And there's that group that says, I believe he is talking to unbelievers who have never been born again in Jesus Christ. I will stand firm that that is the group that I hold to. 
And I will teach through this text to the best of my ability to show you this. Because I can promise you, if you could lose your salvation, you will. Now look what he says. Those that have been tasted and those that are partakers, those that have been enlightened. In other words, if you looked at that, it is an inkling and not a full consuming. It is an inkling and not a full consuming. They have tasted. They were partakers. You say, wait a minute. Partakers of the Holy Spirit, Chad. How could they be partakers of the Holy Spirit? you got to understand that as he is writing this, this is a contemporary on the Old Testament. And everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. Correct? <clears throat> so we're pointing to Jesus Christ. We're not they partakers in the Holy Spirit when the judges led the people of Israel? Were they not partakers of the Holy Spirit when they were led in the wilderness? When they were led by fire? Were they not partakers in the Holy Spirit when the priest would work? Were they not partakers of the Holy Spirit when the prophets would share the Word of God? They were partakers, but He wasn't indwelling in them personally. They were partakers. There are a lot of people that claim to be born-again believers in Jesus Christ that have seen the working of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you time and time again, like my wife when she's went on mission trips, that if she has seen the loaves and fishes, she has seen things that happen. I've seen things happen in this church where I know the Holy Spirit was among us, but it didn't mean everybody among us was indwelled by the Holy Spirit. You hear me? But they have tasted the heavenly gift. Knowledge of Christ is not enough. Chad, that's a horrible thing to say. Well, James tells me even demons believe and they tremble. So when we look at these, we have to go back into Hebrews and look at context. You hear me say that a lot. Context, where are these words used? And why would he use them? And again, if we go back to the superiority of Christ, and we see how Christ is superior to all things, it begins to make sense. But also we believe that the Bible from Genesis to the end of Revelation is all God-breathed. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. But what I would like to do to show you that I believe these are people that have been enlightened that was around the presence but were lost, I'll give you two illustrations. Number one, let's talk about a disciple named Judas. The Bible tells me that he was with Jesus. Jesus' ministry was about three and a half years. And of course, the Bible says that he would send them out in pairs to lay hands, heal the sick, and have miracles. This is a man who lived and walked around with the greatest light that could ever be given, yet he could not see. The Bible tells me that Peter says he was as one of them. Jesus referred to Peter as a devil. The Bible tells me that when uh, Peter, Peter, uh, or I'm sorry, when Jesus was arrested, that he said he had shed innocent blood. It's very interesting that people will use that to show that he repented. The problem with that, and I'll tell you today, that he repented in some loose form to the to the priest because he had a sense of guilt. But if he had truly repented, he wouldn't have hung himself. People, he hung himself. If you have your Bibles, you hold right there in Hebrews and turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Let's talk about a man named Simon. 
Acts chapter 8, verse 9. There was a man named Simon who were formerly practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from the smallest to the greatest, were giving attention to him and saying, this man is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching, but when, but when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon himself believed and after being baptized. Now hold on that, you can say, Chad, there it is. Now hold on. Even Simon himself believed after being baptized, he continued with Philip as he observed signs and great miracles taking place. He was constantly amazed. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem had heard, had heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who might come down and pray for men that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon many of them or any of them and they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when they began laying their hands on them, they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw the Spirit was bestowed through the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no portion, no part in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours, and pray that the Lord, that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. You see, he heard the word, but he was not consumed by the word. There are so many people today that claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ who are fans and not followers. And I want you to look at what the Bible says. They have tasted. They have tasted. They have been partakers. And you know as well as I do, there are people that are in, you, they're in your own family that may be in the church, that may be here today, that know the gospel, but they have not been changed by the gospel. You see, head knowledge is not enough. I can tell you that as a child, I grew up in church. My grandfather was a great minister of the Word of God. And I was around godly people a lot of times in my life. I was baptized at eight years old, and I said a prayer that everybody could hear. I went down front because a boy that I knew went down too. Now let me tell you something. I could have discussions. I even taught Sunday school and sung as a choir as a lost man. But I never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ changes people. It is not an outward demonstration. That outward demonstration will be because of an inward change. See, let me tell you something, and I hope this helps. Years ago, I used to help this, uh, this uh, beef processor. I, I, like I've told you before, I can cut meat as well. I learned to do this when I was a kid, break beef. And what would happen is on kill days, the day before, they would drop off the cows to be slaughtered, and we'd give them water and get them all settled out. Well, we had one that was a red Hereford cow. He got loose. Now, the funny thing about this is the farm beside us raised Black Holstein's dairy cow. Now, he made a great escape. The problem was, he was out there, and here's a hundred black Holstein cows, and there he is in the middle. <laughs> now, he was a cow, 
but he was of a different breed. We're all human beings, but we're all not Christians. Christians are set apart. You see what I'm saying? So just because you claim to be something, it doesn't make you that something. We have seen through Judas and Simon, they have been around the light. They have seen the miracles. They have seen the workings of God. They have seen God himself. And he never saw the light. But look what the Bible says. They have tasted the good word from God and the powers of the ages to come and then have fallen away. Well, see, Chad, there it is. They have fallen away. They were Christians. They fell away. No, listen to me. Falling don't necessarily mean you was a part of something to fall. Fall also means that you come up short. The Bible's very clear with that, remember? Let's go back to the first few chapters of Hebrews. Context. Because the people that wandered in the desert fell short. They did not meet the mark. They fell away because they did not have that assurance of salvation. They did not have Jesus Christ indwelling in them. They had head knowledge. They may knew a lot of scripture. They may know a lot of things. They may know a lot of rituals. But I can promise you this. Knowing these things does not save you. Christ changes lives. Faith and repentance go hand in hand. And those that are his will remain his. And no man shall pluck you out of his hand. They fell away. Because they hadn't grasped the mark. They hadn't grasped it. They fell short. And it is impossible to renew them to repentance. Did you see the word there? It's not improbable. It's impossible. So for those that believe, well, this is talking about Christians that lose your salvation. Well, that kind of throws that out the window. Because listen, if you've been saved and you lose your salvation, how are you going to get saved again? Because understand this, just like I said a little bit earlier. And there's a lot of theologians that I love and respect that would disagree with me. But if you could lose your salvation and you have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit when you've been saved, why would you walk away? And if you did, what would there be to come back to? Now I'm not saying people are sinning. We all sin. And this has been ripped screaming out of context. But I will tell you this, John is very clear, First John, for they went out from us because they were not of us. If they would have been of us, they would have remained with us. Therefore, their going out showed that they were never one of us at all. Because you know as I know, a man that is backslidden, that is a born-again believer, is a miserable human being. And we'll get into this a little bit next week, and I believe this with all my heart. Either God will bring you back or he'll bring you home. I'm going to tell you something. If you live in continual rebellion against God, you claim to be a believer, and you live like hell, you'll make it there. Christ changes lives. Yes, we're going to get off that path, but thank God for the Holy Spirit. We can get knocked back on that path. Because I want you to understand that if I have to do it on my own, I will fail. But I believe greater that he who lives in me, he is in the world. I want you to understand very clearly 
Please listen to me today. That any of us must understand as a part of our elementary teaching that if we take our eyes off Christ, we're all capable. But having our eyes fixed upon Him, knowing like Paul said, these natures that wrestle against each other, who can deliver me from such? Jesus Christ. Eyes are continually focused on Him. We will fail, but failure will never be an excuse for living that way. Amen? But you may fall away. Who are these that fall away then? Now he gives an Strong verse here, listen. They have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance. It's impossible that people are seeking to be saved and can't. Listen to me. I want you to listen to me very good here. For those that truly seek God, understand first they are being sought. The Holy Spirit convicts their heart. And you turn to Him in faith and repentance. And I believe those with a genuine heart that fall on their face to Christ will be saved when they cry out for mercy. But I also believe there are those that slam full of head knowledge that have walked away from the faith they've been taught, that it's so have been encompassed and ingrained with the things of the world that they have hardened their heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you what this verse says. This is not that you can't that you can lose your salvation, but you can lose your opportunity for salvation. You better see that very clearly. The Bible tells me of a man named Esau who had a brother who sold his birthright. And here is Esau. He cries out to God, but the problem that we don't see or we don't think about a lot of times is he wanted to meet things on his own terms and not God's. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He hardened his own heart. God hardened his heart because the more things grew and not in his favor, the more he got mad at God. I can tell you right now, there's a lot of people that are sitting in our churches today that have a misunderstanding of salvation and we put it into six flags over Jesus. This salvation has been took flippantly that all I have to do is say some words or or utter some things and I can be saved. Let me tell you something. Those that are truly born again and believers in Jesus Christ, not only have they placed their faith and trust in Him, but they want to live for Him. You can't have it both ways. You either love the world or you love Christ. And if you use a sinful life and God's justification for it, you're lost. You've never been a born again believer in Jesus Christ. And it hurts my soul to know that I've talked to so many people who say they have a relationship with Jesus Christ and they're fans and they're not followers. Repent! My heart has been stomped this past week in a lot of ways. And I've seen people throughout the world who claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he is being used as some bobblehead that sits on a dash instead of the Savior of the world who left his throne in glory to die for us. Are the things you living for worth Christ dying for? Are they? 
Because my God is bigger than me losing anything. People say, well, Chad, don't mean you can't pluck yourself out of his hand. <laughs> well, if I could, I promise you I would. Christ is greater than that. And look what he says. It is impossible. It's not improbable. It's impossible. When those that have neglected the opportunity for salvation have hardened their heart. You know, I've heard people say, you know, especially now, not trying to run a rabbit trail, but bear with me. I have heard more talk about end times and revelation in the past few months than I've heard in my 23 years of ministry. People have asked me, we went through the book of Revelation a couple of years ago. When is Jesus coming back? I don't know, but I know he is. But here's the deal. If he tarries, you still will die. The death rate is still one out of every one person dies. That hadn't changed. The question is, where do you stand if you died today? Not that you are partaker of tasted, but you have consumed the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Look what it says. And he uses the illustration of agriculture. For the ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation is useful for those who take it. Is also tilled, receives the blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed. And it ends up being burned. You see the thorns and thistles illustration goes back to Genesis 3. Remember this is a contemporary or a commentary of the Old Testament. You see, because of the fall of man, because of the fall of man, men had to toil and labor. And I want to tell you another illustration that I hope that everyone hears clearly. And I think it is more applicable than we could ever have to illustrate this point. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Word of God says in 13 chapter 1, that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him and he got in a boat and sat down and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, the sower went out to sow and he sowed some seeds that fell aside the road and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell in the rocky places where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And the others fell on the ground, or the others fell on the good soil, and yielded a crop in some of a hundredfold, some of sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came and said, Why do you speak these parables? And Jesus answered, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him will be given more. He will have abundance, but who does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak them in parables, because while seeing, 
They do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In the case of the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep seeing, but will not perceive. The heart of these people have become dull. For their ears have scarce, scarcely hear, and their, they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart in return. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Now, I want you to see something very interesting here. He says in 17, For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and then they not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And then he explained the parable. Now listen. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one whom seed was sown beside the road. They're lost. Do you hear me? They're lost. The one whom the seed was sown in rocky places, this is a man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but he only, but is only temporary. And when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. He said he believes. And he receives it with joy. But when the rubber reached the road, he was a fan and not a follower. And he's lost. Now listen. And the one whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I want you to hear me here. Now, there'll be a lot of discussion on this where people would say this is a believer who's been choked by the problems of the world. But let me tell you this, I don't. Because this illustrates my point in Hebrews. That people receive this knowledge, they hear the Word of God, but yet when the rubber meets the road in all aspects of their being, they are deceived by Satan. And they're lost. You say, Chad, how can you say that? And I'll tell you why. And the one whom the seed was sown on the good soul. This is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. You hear this? It wasn't that the seed was bad. The seed cast in all four places were good. It was the soul that was bad. And only one of the souls was good. I want everybody to have a clear understanding. Listen to me. Please. This passage in Hebrew is not talking about Christians who lose their salvation. It is a strict warning for those who have been around the Word of God to heed to it. Because again, it's not about losing your salvation, but about losing the opportunity of salvation. I want to share with you very clearly, and again, there's people that would disagree, and that's fine. But when I look at my depravity, and when I look at what a sinful say, sinful human being I was, and I see what Christ done for me, I have a greater appreciation of my salvation. Let me tell you, just like Paul, as sinners, I am the chief. There's any one of us capable of anything, 
But I tell you this, Christ is greater than that. And He's faithful. And what He is telling people that I want everybody to see, if you are born again believer, it's time to mature and grow up. You don't build another foundation other than what's been laid by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You go on top of it, not start another one. And let me assure you, there are a lot of people that are around us every day that claim to be believers in Jesus Christ that are not. And as I've told you before, this ain't stuff that'll pack churches. Because we live in a time now where everybody wants to hear how great they are instead of how great God is. But I want to give you a clear understanding and you be rest assured in this and in the Word of God that is clearly given. If He has you, you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Ephesians is very clear. It is our God who made us. It is Jesus Christ who saved us and it is the Holy Spirit who has sealed us. And no man can pluck you out of His hand. So my question to you today is this. Not, do you know Jesus? But does Jesus know you? There's a lot of people that know Jesus. I cannot help as I was thinking this, and you've heard me use this illustration before. Please hear me. As the sons of Skevin acts, the demons are afflicting this person and these sons of Sceva go up to him and says, come out in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches about. And they responded. Paul, we've heard. Jesus, we know. Who are you? And the Bible tells me that those demons came out and wore them out. So it's not the question is, do you know Jesus? Does Jesus know you? And let me give you this assurance that if you're a born again believer in Jesus Christ, this verse shouldn't scare you. This should encourage you to know that you have been sealed and you are to grow in Jesus Christ. But it also should encourage you that you need to have a sense of urgency to press forward with the gospel to a dying world. Brothers and sisters, I love you. There is no greater peace than laying your head down at night and knowing that if it be your last day on earth, that you would be in the presence of Christ. Do we all have that? If you don't, you can. See, I don't know when anybody is going to leave this world but you can know how you leave it. The Bible tells me that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And repenting of your sins, my brothers and sisters, is not feeling sorry for them, but turning from them. And faith goes hand in hand. You place your faith in the person and the work of Christ and you cry to God for mercy and I promise He'll give it to you. And He will create in you a new creation a new nature. And I can promise you, when Jesus said He would never leave you or forsake you, He meant it. Every head bowed and every eye closed.
Folks, as we come to the conclusion of this service, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there are people right here that would be glad to share with you the gospel. They'd love to talk to you. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Boy, that reality has slapped me in the face. You see, a lot of times we live, as my oldest son used to say, like the main character in the book, where the main character never dies. But he who gives us breath one day will cause it to cease. And I can promise you that life, there is life after death. It will be in the presence of Christ or be eternal separation in hell. Every person is born with a God-sized hole that only he can fill. And again, if you will cry out to him with mercy and you will believe with all aspect of your being and hold to the person and the work of Christ, he will save you. You may be here today and you're struggling with material. You say, Chad, I, I, I love the Word of God. I'm struggling. I, I, need, I need help. I've got a little lax, but the Holy Spirit's pressing me. Talk to us. We want to help you grow. I don't reproduce sheep. Sheep reproduce sheep. Grow in His Word. Say, Chad, I don't have a passion to do certain things. I, I, I need to learn to pray more. I, I need to learn to study more. Then you ask God for it. And you pray to Him and ask Him for it and He will give it to you. Well, you may be here today and be discouraged. I can tell you this. Do not be discouraged and let these verses scare you. But it should light a fire into you. It should share the truth with people. You see, I can't lose what I didn't purchase. See, Christ did it for me. He changed me. And He has sealed me. And I know that the same Jesus Christ who saved me will sustain me. Do you have that peace? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to You today. Lord, I thank You for Your grace and mercy. I thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ who paid the debt on Calvary that we may live. God, I pray that if there is one or two or ten, whoever many or however many they may be, that do have a relationship with You, that You convict their hearts, draw them unto You, Lord, that they cry out for mercy. And God, You are faithful and will give it. God, for the downtrodden, the discouraged, the, the believers that are struggling, that are wanting to grow, that, that may be hindered by a besetting sin or, Lord, something that they struggle with, that, God, I pray that You remove the obstacle. Send brothers and sisters, saints of You, to help with these obstacles that we may grow and make disciples. God, I pray for this community.
God, as I've said many times, you know my heart, that it is not my desire to fill these chairs with people, but that the people be filled with Christ. God, do a work. Light the fire. God, I believe You are faithful. I believe in Your promises. I believe You are who You say You are. And God, encourage others to believe it too. Lord, I pray that as we sing this song, that we leave this place, that not only do we have assurance in our heart of our salvation, but we have an urgency to share that gospel with others. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. It's in your Son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand and worship with us.